Hello, do you like New Japan Pro Wrestling? Are you a Shin Nihon freak? If so, check out the Super Jcast with Joel and Damon on the Voices of Wrestling Podcast Network. And even if you fucking hate New Japan Pro Wrestling, listen to the Super Jcast anyway. Not just for our great show reviews, analysis, and pastrami sandwiches, mm-hmm. but there's also usually some dick jokes somewhere in the obligatory opening 30 minutes of absolute nonsense we chat about every single week. That's the Super Jcast for all the best talk about New Japan Pro Wrestling, crisps, and pornography. This podcast is a member of the Voices of Wrestling podcasting network. Visit VoicesOfWrestling.com to hear the rest of our great podcasts, as well as show reviews, columns, opinions, and updates across the world of wrestling. To the highway, in a brand new day, gotta let it go. Open the Voice Gate for October 18th, 2023. We are members of the Voices of Wrestling Podcast Network. You can find us on the Voices of Wrestling Podcast feed or on the Open the Voice Gate podcast feed on all podcast platforms and applications. You can follow us on Twitter at Open Voice Gate. If you'd like to donate to the show, click the link in the show notes. It'll take you to our redcircle.com landing site. You click the red box that says sponsor this podcast and you can set up a one time or recurring donation. No obligation whatsoever, but we would like to thank all of our previous donors. I'm one of your hosts. It's your old pal, Mike Spears, joined alongside, as always, your other host, Case Lowe. In case it is Wednesday, it worked out so far that somehow we, we have managed to line this up that we're constantly recording with Rangers baseball. I feel very bad about it. We obviously record Tuesday nights more often than not. I had to do some Wrestling Observer Newsletter Hall of Fame audio last night instead, which made me feel like a real jerk because there was not a Texas Rangers game last night. And... While you were doing your intro there, I noticed your voice jump a few octaves. Was that because Jose Altuve hit a ball to the warning track just a second ago? Yes, and yep. we are going to not be completely baseball fight. Actually, Case, this is good luck. The Texas Rangers have not lost a game during this playoffs as we've recorded. So we're going to make this through. But as we recorded in case, was very apologetic about this. That did not bother me whatsoever. And I was like, I expect the Rangers to lose this game. So that that, that warning track fly on the first pitch, I was like, I was right. I yeah, was, well, that was look, it scared me as, as somebody who's been wearing a Texas Rangers hat all week. And by the way, wearing a Texas Rangers hat and getting loads and loads of compliments from people, some cheering for the Rangers, some simply rooting against the Astros. But that has become the talk of the town. People are into the Rangers. For the only time in Texas Rangers history, they are kind of America's team. And <laughs> it is kind of wild considering all the things about Texas Rangers baseball for the last 50 years that that this happens. But KSI, I respect the fact that you your hat, you've shown it off to me. A very important hat in at least my personal history. The first year that like I understood what baseball was, that hat was, uh, was from that year, the last year in uh, old Turnpike Arlington Stadium. So yeah, yeah, you, you picked got, a good I've, one. 
I, I've got a, I've got an old school Texas Rangers hat that uh, has a side patch with the uh, the memoriam of the old Arlington Stadium. Like Mike said, like I said, big hit, you know, uh, and uh, we're we're going to root for the Astros here. Uh, Europeans, uh, when you're listening, all you need to know is go. I, say, I think I said we're going to root for the Astros. I meant root for the Rangers and Europeans listening. All you need to know is go Rangers. Yeah, uh, the way we're going to equate this to it is that basically if because like the cricket World Cup is happening or has happened like uh, the the Rangers are kind of like uh, West Indies in a way. L- I, l- I, I, I cannot relate to this analogy. I truly I got I got nothing there. I am probably dead off. And that is because the, the the one cricket team I actually kind of followed was the West Indies team because I worked with a bunch of people from the Caribbean. So. But I, I was trying to make the I was trying to make it work. Okay, should we just get into the Dragon Gate stuff? Well, that's funny you say that because it just reminded me that when I went to the Baseball Hall of Fame with my dad, he got really upset that the cricket section was bigger than the Caribbean baseball section. This was like a thing that stuck with him for a very long time, and maybe it's changed since because we went to the Hall of Fame about a decade ago now. But I just remember him being very, very annoyed by that. And it's wild because like baseball in the Caribbean is like huge. Yeah, it, that's he, it, he, the winter he's league. talked openly for years. He's like one summer. I'm just going to go down there. I'm going to fly from Indiana to the Dominican. I'm going to take some kids back with me and we're just going to dominate Indiana Travel League baseball like 13 U <laughs> baseball. It's like his, this is his dream is just to one day show up with a with a Do bunch international of international uh, <laughs> yes. human trafficking. Yes. He's like, I'm just I just want to show up one summer. It just kick everybody's ass and it's going to be fun for me and nobody else. And it's going to be entirely worth it. I mean, like if he wants to, other than uh, of course the obvious, like y- 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 then you could get him in on like a scouting deal yeah. getting tied up into like perfect game. You know I mean? You can make some, some, some serious money doing this. I mean, it, th- there's a reason why like that's like such a scandal happening in baseball with that but look, I, look I, if, if my career goes south if i can find a way to make money either ethically or otherwise involved in youth baseball i would jump at the opportunity too i can't think of another better way to make a living and you know i feel like that that is like an old school con too like oh, I, God, it, yeah i i mean bad news bears all of that it just it it, it lines up for you you know I think this is like his weird way of getting revenge because every year he watches the Little League World Series and he he questions the legitimacy of those teams because Little League is an organization and the kids that play in the Little League World Series are supposed to be all-star teams made up of regions after playing a season of Little League Baseball and... He's very concerned about the integrity of the Little League World Series. But on the <laughs> other hand, he's like, well, I want to fly down to the Dominican and just, you know, see what's out there. Just see if I can pick up a 14 year old that throws 95 miles an hour. I, I, I like that your dad is the one person who probably still really is mad about Daniel Monte. Yeah, absolutely. It, the 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 few like he's for a man of his age, Midwestern, you know, uh, older white guy, very advanced in a lot of his thinking. The two things that really get him are the integrity of the Little League World Series and sports gambling. He will never be for it. He treats it like it is the most evil hobby slash profession there's ever been. He gets annoyed when he sees ads for gambling on TV. I don't know what it is. That just, in his mind, that is the most dangerous thing you can do is bet on a sports game. 
is there some like low like family history that like somehow you're related to like Arnold Rothstein or a uh, Sheila Joe Jackson? Like, um, is this like the thing? <laughs> God, I hope so. <laughs> Mike, I got news for you. If I'm related to Sheila Joe Jackson, I'm cashing in and I'm not doing this podcast anymore. I, I'm going to find a way to milk that as much as I can. Well, you should have told me this like eight months ago when I still lived in Greenville, South Carolina, the hometown of Sheila Joe Jackson. We could have gotten a good con going. Like oh, there's oh, a whole Shoeless only. Joe museum. Like they do an annual Ty Cobb versus Shoeless Joe historical baseball game. Yo, like, it's, I, God, it's funny. It's funny you bring up Ty Cobb because this morning, like I, I wake up at my uh, for my job at three thirty in the morning. At three forty five this morning, I was reading about the Ty Cobb scandal and the the biographer who forged all of the all of that information about Ty Cobb and basically lied and said he was this vile human being which is a label that stuck to Cobb for 50 years now, even if it's not a lot of it's not even remotely true. Yeah. So for our international fans, what case is referring to is Ty Cobb, who's considered probably one of the 10 best all time, like batting offensive baseball players. There was a whole thing about him, like historically, like the, it was like laundered through like the press that did not like him essentially. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Sort of. So, but that basically and no such terms like i i know some of the things like there is enough validity to that they're just not certain about but there was like things about like talking about like ty Cobb jumping the barricade and attacking a fan with disabilities in the 1920s and that they're really I, I, is that the one that there is some validity to or is that the one that's completely made up because i know that's the things that one of them was they, they can't count it out. But the other one, they're like, no, yeah, it's completely fake. The, that one, I don't know. There was a lot of pushback on the idea that he was sharpening his spikes to, you know, spike other players when he was sliding into second base. But there was this guy, his name was Al Stump, and he wrote, he, he helped Cobb write his autobiography during the last few years of Cobb's life. And, you know, it turned out that Ty Cobb was kind of just this normal old guy who you know, was supportive of baseball integrating and, you know, wasn't this crabby old man. And so the autobiography ended up being kind of a boring book. And then Cobb passed away. And a few years later, Al Stump wrote the biography and came up with all of these things that Ty Cobb did and, you know, claimed he did. And he was just this monster, this evil man who could not be tamed by anybody. And then he got like, he stole a bunch of memorabilia from the Cobb family Al Stump is a good Google for anybody that wants to get lost in that wormhole. Yeah, it's one of those things that like, and I know it's the case internationally with football and other sports that baseball is the sport that has like the weird, bizarre tapestry for like most of the country that like only in the South, I would say like has kind of a similar tapestry to college football, but like a a lot of like just deep, dark lore in a way, I would say. Yeah, absolutely. Yep. But uh, sadly, as we are going, uh, as the baseball is happening in the background here, uh, we do have Dragon Gate to talk about today. They did have their uh, double header last weekend at uh, Kobe Art Center. No show at the friendly confines of Sambo Hall. And a lot of stuff coming out of the shows. Uh, the 14th and the 15th, it was the only network shows this last week. A little bit of a slower week for Dragon Gate Uh but the big thing coming out of the show of a lot of big events, the uh, lasting image of the show, uh, two weeks out of Gate of Destiny, uh, main event, uh, Madoka Kakuda defending the Open the Dream Gate Championship against Big Boss Shimizu. 
and Kakuda pens Shimizu clean as a sheet after the rolling lariat in a natural vibes versus decurred six-man tag team match and it's something where uh, with the storyline case i was kind of seeing like we got to the finish line of Lee setting up the match what were they going to do from this and kakuda getting the win back and kind of getting momentum after really the whole entire story of this feud being one-sided about big boss shimizu what were your thoughts coming out of kobe it excited me. You know, I thought it was a really good step in the direction towards that that match coming up at the beginning of November. The strange thing about this show, and these shows rather, because there were two in Kobe, is I went notebook on both of the main events. I went notebook on the aforementioned Daya Kakuta and Yoshioka versus Shimizu Keizi and Strong Machine J match from the, the 10-15-23 show. And I also went notebook on KZ versus Ishin from the night before for the Brave Gate belt. There were two great matches, and yet I still felt wildly unfulfilled this weekend. These were kind of two shows that felt like they were at 75%, uh, at least in the undercard. But in terms of this match and in terms of Kakuta versus Shimizu, they worked 100%. They worked full speed. They hit each other really really hard i'm still a little confused on the dynamics and i'd like to know your thoughts there you know we're now two weeks out like you said from gate of destiny do you think this is going to be a deal where Kakuta's working on top and he's working as the heel and shimizu's going to be a hometown baby face or do you think shimizu's going to use his size assert his size and they'll have Kakuta work from underneath I think that's kind of been the interesting thing about the uh, Shimizu versus Reiwa New Leaders feud was the idea that Shimizu had to deal with people more powerful, bigger than him throughout it and like Benkei, Shun Skywalker. And it's something where like we got to kind of see at least with the with the Benkei match and even the Kakuta match during King of Gate, the idea of more heavyweight wrestling happen. And I think that they've already kind of pursued that. And especially if you've held off this long for this match, I mean, they've essentially built this match since Kakuda won the Dreamgate at Dead or Alive. So we're talking about it'll be almost a six-month feud by the time that this match actually happens. I think you have to go hometown babyface finally getting his match after kind of proving Kakuda wrong on the lead-up and Kakuda kind of being top dog. I, I don't know if you could rerun the kind of just like face face here. I think you need to really tap into the, the hometown that will be heavily for Shimizu. It's my continued reservation about this match. And it's, you know, the one thing that I will continue to be on the side of Kakuta for is that he hasn't had clear face heel dynamics in any of his Dreamgate defenses. And I think we're going to run into the same issue here. Luckily, I think Shimizu is certainly hotter than Yoshioka was going into Kobe World. I also, I feel like Shimizu is hotter than Minora was going into Dangerous Gate. Where do you stand on that? I mean, it's kind of hard to say that. I, I, I would push back just because Minora won King of Gate directly right into the tournament, or going into the title match, you know? Like, yeah. the, 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 there is that kind of thing that you walk in winning the big tournament, and there's a bit of momentum there. But you do conflict that with the idea that while this all was happening, like, Shimizu's kind of story started before the tournament and has just been, like, a steady, reoccurring thing. And... Yeah, well, th there was also, and I don't know if you felt this way, but I really struggled post King of Gate, where I thought the tournament was excellent. 
I thought the right guy won. I thought the match was great. And then as soon as King of Gate was over, it was this we- it was almost like they were in a spell and it was like all this momentum that Minora had that he should carry over into the Streamgate match, it was gone all of a sudden. And then I I thought going into Kakuta versus Minora was actually kind of a cold match and it was just this bizarre thing where I think everybody did everything right and then I still felt unsatisfied and maybe that was just a me problem. I think for uh Menorah, it was getting to a place where he won King of Gate. He had the legitimate challenge. It was not him kind of weaseling his way in, ruining shows, ruining biggest shows of the year with that, at least in booking-wise. This was like a legitimate claim. And it was, when we talk about September, like we also have to acknowledge the fact that the big storylines that they had were completely thrown out of the window near immediately with uh, TN Revolution's injury. And then that... Booking wise, I think was the other thing that they decided really two weeks before the big show to start doing the build towards the title matches. And it left us really unfulfilled when and wondering. And it's I it's something where I'm still kind of wrapping my head over the last uh, 45 days in this promotion in a lot of ways. because it, it is something where like I think we've said it pretty consistently that there is some some sort of vibe shift that's happened or like happened around the time of dangerous gate that it just kind of feels like it has been like swimming against the current ever since yeah and i i think they've they've gotten over that just a little bit you know i love this most recent cork and hall show so much and i think the outings that they've had have have been passable at the very least i mean i i'm looking forward to what's on paper for gate of destiny i think you know Drangate is continuing to put themselves in a position where you look at their pay-per-view cards and you go well, that should be good, but you also think about the the luck they've had really over the last, it's, it's like three years running now, where most of these big shows, you get, you know, one or two, you know, matches that deliver to the degree that they should, and then a few where whether it's bad luck or just not delivering in the way that you think, you go, huh, well, I, I, I thought that was going to be better, and, and Ishin versus Tanaka could very well be one of those matches on Gate of Destiny, but right now... I'm really looking forward to it, and I I remain bullish on Kakuta versus Shimizu in terms of match quality. I think it's going to be great. I love their interactions here. I, like you said, the the shift to more of a heavyweight focus I think is a really good thing here, uh, something that Kakuta in particular can hopefully thrive at. I'm going to give you uh, you know plenty of opportunities as we as we lead up to the show to change your opinion on this, but as we sit here about three quarters of the way through October, who is leaving Gate of Destiny as your Open the Dream Gate champion? Is it Kakuta or is it Shimizu? So if we're, should we do percentages from here and then kind of track it over the next few weeks? I think, uh, that'd, be, uh, I think that'd be a great idea. I will write this down to Please. make sure we keep track of this. Thank God. So walking out of Edeon Arena 1, uh, I'm going to write down, I'm going to have Kakuta and then Shimizu. And we'll, we'll, we'll revisit this. I think at this point, I am a 70% Shimizu winning, 30% Kakuta retaining as of today. Where are you at? I'm probably 60-40 in favor of Shimizu. I, you know, I'm I'm very conflicted here because right. you you have to think back 18 months ago, they do Shimizu versus Kai. And I, I was saying leading up to that match, man, I think it's a real 50-50 shot. You know, that that match with Kai 
is the one that made everybody go, okay, he might he might actually be a good Dreamgate champion because that was his second defense. His first was the match against Yoshida, which you know set nobody up to win. And then from there goes Yoshimizu and then Susumu, and then we realize like, oh my god, Kai's actually, you know, he's going to be a very good Dreamgate champion. So in the build to that match, Shimizu kept on winning via flash pin, and I I was like, man, they're just. I, I think they could get away with this. I think they could tell the story where it's flash pin, flash pin, flash pin, and then Shimizu actually beats Kai with the shot put slam, and then we're off to the races. That was Champion Gate 2022. And we had Jay on, I think, right before that, and his point was like, well, you know, Kai's already gotten a bunch of uh, of, of losses over him. You know, I don't think Shimizu needs this win. We're now in a scenario where Kakuta's the one who pinned Shimizu and didn't pin him with a flash pin. He, he, you know, for lack of a better term, he beat the shit out of Shimizu to beat him in the match. And then he wins here, and it's like, all right, well, you know, they're going to beat down Shimizu, beat down Shimizu, beat down Shimizu, and then maybe he comes out on top in his hometown. But you also have the wrinkle where he already beat Kakuta once. He beat him in King of Gate. So both guys are now... Uh, not Oda win, but you could justify their win either way. It's a very, very unique position to be in. I think selfishly, I want Shimizu to win, so I'm going 60-40 as of now. Yeah, and it's something where my 70-30 is with the uh, era shift, with moving towards the Reiwa new leaders and fully out of Company Ace Yamato time. It's something where we need to kind of see who from the last generation is viable still as a Dreamgate challenger. And I don't know if Kakuda has the run that after you get through Shimizu, really, there's not a whole lot like, would you really want to do Kakuda versus Benkei this year? I don't think so. And it's always it's always looming at Final Gate, just for whatever reason, they love having been in that main event. Right. Yeah. But outside of that, I think you're you're at a point where it's time to shuffle the deck. And I think with Kakuda, it's, as we've kind of been saying, it's not necessarily the circumstances. It's not necessarily him. It's the circumstances for this run. And I just think that at least for me, with the company moving into next year, especially being the 25th anniversary year, you probably want to be able to offer some fresher title matches. And that precipitates you, uh, throwing uh the belt onto shimizu who do you think shimizu's generational rival is like if you could point to one let's say shimizu wins and you've got you know enough in the canon for one big shimizu Dreamgate defense who who is that guy that's rough because yeah, shimizu right? is the per- it's part of the it's part of the story yeah you know all of his generational peer is Ata, and his generational peer is Ut. I mean, that, those are the guys that he's closest with, and Ata can't be bothered, and Ut's not, you know, not big enough. Right? Yeah, because like the match you'd want to do, given that opportunity, is entirely uh, him versus Ata. But that's not the world we operate in right now. So, and, and plus, they've got history as a tag team. Now, I didn't right. even Big E. I, yeah, I didn't. I didn't really set that up to to bash Ata, but now I'm going to. That's, that's a real bummer. Yeah, it's something where, and especially with how uh, the fallout of R.E.D. went with Shimizu, there was so much stuff that there were threads that were not tied with that feud that because Ata going freelance probably won't get tied, you know? Okay, let me let me throw this at you. 
because I, I think there's a more obvious answer than than maybe we we realized at first. If if Shimizu wins in November, are you bothered if they do Shimizu versus Ben in December? No, because that tells me Shimizu is not going to be a belt polo, basically, because I don't think that they're really at a place where they're going to go full in with Ben K as a Dreamgate champion again, right? At least in the near term. In the near term, like I don't think Chicky Chicky is that kind of. It, it it has extended him and it has given him new life, but it's something where I feel like that they want to build to that, and I just don't think at that point you can expect a title switch with him. Yeah, you know. It, it, it's the wrong time to do it for Ben. I, I think there was a point last year where it was so hot and so new that you could have done it, and I still think the gimmick has life. I just don't think now is the time to do it. I actually, I, I, I can't shake the thought of Ben maybe being the guy at World 2024, that 25th year anniversary show. Yeah, and it, it is something that at least I think we could say as of uh, October 18th, that's probably the one like kind of uh, that that's not the that that's not the uh, send you home happy story that everyone really kind of wants for a 25th anniversary. But I think Ben K like with that kind of character can send them home happily, especially if it's something where you're looking at uh, Shun back with the title at that point or maybe a heel Yoshioka. Yeah, I you know I I could just I, man I I really hadn't thought about that of Ben you know draped in gold with the charisma he has with the character that he has you know he he's gonna look good on the cover of a magazine and if you're Dragon Gate your 25th anniversary show is gonna be the first time you've had a chance to get on the cover of Weekly Puro since the Yoshino retirement show gotta have a guy that looks good on the cover of a magazine Ben K would be that guy right yeah and. It, it it's something like I guess as we uh oh we do have a date for Kobe World already for next year right I, I thought they announced one or we I should be having I don't one remember. I don't remember so let, me, let me look real quick we've got next year we've got Gate of Bayside on the schedule we've got the Corkins announced and we've got the Doi Homecoming show we actually don't have a date for Kobe yet at least not let me let me check Twitter but it's not on the Dragon Gate website I thought that we had one but it, it is something though that I mean when we look at it we're only this is like the wild thing about this. We're probably only about nine months out from this show. And I don't think that we, because of where Gated Bayside is, we're probably not going to get the actual 25th anniversary show. Like it's not going to be on 131-24. But I think for the, the idea of like the 25th big show at Kobe World or in the area is worth it, you know? Yeah, I don't, I don't see a date for World anywhere. I don't think that's been announced. It's usually about this time. Maybe Gate of uh, maybe Gate of Destiny might be about when with that. But it, it, it's something where I kind of want to keep track of this at least. Kakuta and Shimizu momentum watch as we are going into the uh, the last few weeks of the build to Osaka. I really really enjoyed this uh, this D Courage versus KZ Strong Machine J and Shimizu um, main event on night two. It was something where I felt like with how the, these shows were like like as you were saying it's not that these were bad shows it's just very indicative of dragon gate it's just that a lot of it just not a lot of stuff was happening and some of the stuff that was happening was not very good but uh I, 
the M3K match before that and the uh, main event, that was something that felt a lot like old Dragon Gate to me, and I really enjoyed that. Yeah, it was a great weekend for M3K. They had two really, really enjoyable matches. The first show, it was the six-man. It was Mochi, Susumu, and Kanda, the old crew against D-Courage. I, I would go three and three-quarters on that match, and then on the second show, I'd probably go three and a half on the eight-man. It was all of M3K, uh, Junior included, versus Luis Monte, Yamato, Dragon Kid, and Rookie Doi. I got to say, there was a lot of Doi and Junior stuff in that match that I really enjoyed. Yeah, yeah, there absolutely was. And it was something where I just like the idea that with the way that how M3K is, well, with everything kind of looming. And I guess we can, uh, we haven't really like get to this. We do have Twin Gate Challengers finally, and it is Decourage. So we do have like that being played off of that as well. And it's it's pretty exciting. I, I, I feel like, especially the idea for Susumu and Kanda getting another, what I feel like is, as big of a tag team match as Dragon Gate could put on at this point, at least given the last two years. Yeah, look, I'm super into into what we have for Gate of Destiny so far. You know, we obviously have Kakuta versus Shimizu. Like you said, we have the D-Courage versus M3K Twin Gate match. And then we have the Yamato Dragon Kid and Punch Tamadaga versus Don Fuji, Takashi Yoshida, and Bodyguard Triangle Gate match. We could talk about that in just a little bit. And we have Ishin versus Ryoya Tanaka. And the yeah. Open the Brave game match. So we've got our title matches set for Osaka. Yeah, so let's talk about the um, night one main event. Ishin becomes a two-time Open the Twin Gate. Oh, not Open the Twin Gate. Open the Brave Gate champion. After defeating KZ, it is with a schoolboy after an inadvertent powder attack by Ryu Fuda. Uh, and then on the next night, Ishin coming out during, during the Royal Sambos, basically trash talking everything with it ending with uh ginky horikuchi winning the royal sambo but uh last pinning a very uh spry ryoya tanaka and uh basically horikuchi said okay ishan here's the thing you could either face me who's 45 and you know what that entails or and or you could face tanaka who has not won a match yet and he decided to take face tanaka i've been really impressed with ryoya tanaka by the way i thought that he oh, had God, a cool yeah. But uh, this Bravegate match, uh, him and KZ, Ishan and KZ, I like this one much more than Gate of Origin. This one really kind of felt like the match that they were going to have. Or getting the belt onto KZ short briefly and then getting back onto Ishan, this was kind of felt more like the complete match what you'd expect out of KZ and Ishan for the Bravegate. What what do you make of the one-week KZ run? You know, they throw the belt on him at Origin and then they give it right back to Ishan in Kobe I I don't I don't feel strongly one way or another about it where do you stand on that I I'm not bothered by it like I don't I I'm not strongly pro I'm not strongly against I think it was something where oh we were going to promise a big hometown match for Ryu Fuda in the main event here Brave Gate match we had it announced how are we going to do this well we could you could put the belt on KZ for six days and Ishin's going to come out of this looking just fine you know do you think had had Fuda been healthy, they would have done the same thing? They would have belted Fuda up and Sendai and then given the belt right back to Ishan? No, I I think Ishan puts him down, and then we move on to Tanaka, to be honest. I yeah. think that it was just something just to make Gate of Origin to save that show, at least in the hometown people's eyes. I, I, think, you're, I think you're probably right there, and I'm with you. I went four stars on KZ versus Ishan. Look, I thought it was 
one of the best Ishin singles matches that we've seen. I'm still looking for him, and I've gone really back and forth with him this year. You know, I I, I did not like him in the first quarter of the year. I really struggled with the direction he was going, almost a zombified version of himself. Uh, you know, the last thing Zebrats needed was a another guy who didn't want to wrestle good matches, and I thought that was the direction he was going for a while. They flipped that, and he's he's all of a sudden become this sort of brute force, energetic, I would say power junior, but I think really he's a power heavy. I, I certainly don't think he fits the Bravegate weight requirements anymore. This man looks huge. I, yeah, I, he he might be ninety kilos. He, there's no way he's eighty two. He, I mean, he's built. He looks like like Ishi or something. Like he's just he's just a heavyweight at this point. Even if he's not that tall, he's just a very very large man now. It's but, his genetics. We knew this going in. His dad's a right. former sumo. He did like high school sumo. Like it, it was going to happen. And it's amazing that you know both his father and his brother Ricky Extrangate guy. They've gone in the opposite direction. They've become competitive <laughs> bodybuilders and have zero percent body fat. Yeah, I uh, th- that one photo photo of Ricky Hashi was enough for me. Like, all right, I hope the best for you. I just it, it, it's along lines of K- case you do know that uh, Keisuke Akuda lost another uh, shoot boxing match, right? Get the fuck out! No, he did not. Yeah, he did. Like, like, like two weeks ago, I've been waiting to drop this on you, and I feel like talking about weird X Dragon Gate guys. This is the time. Yeah, he's lost again. Like, and the, the thing that gets me is he always, like, pens the tweet of him apologizing for losing. Has he won anything? I don't think so. I don't think he's, like, won, like, a, a kickboxing shoot fight, uh, any of this stuff since he's left. Not lost. Not won a single one. I, I mean, look, he didn't win any while he was there as part of the reason <laughs> he got let go. It's, I, I'm just, I'm floored by this. Yeah, 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 yeah. No, uh, go to his Twitter account, Case. Uh, it's that look, look at the photo that he he literally is posting the L that he. Okay, I'm 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 loading up the Danger Zone Twitter. Oh my God, he's getting his ass kicked. Yeah, yeah. Former, uh, sometimes Bravegate champions don't pan out. No, I just I just went to his cage match to see what he did at Gate of Destiny in 2021 but i guess he got hurt because he didn't wrestle at all in november but it led me to the sp kento kaisuke akuda bravegate series that they did in osaka which was was really exciting and drew well uh in osaka given the restrictions at the time and you know we have we have nothing to show for it yeah uh it seems like okuda will not be uh participating in what seems to be keeping shoot wrestling alive i I don't think he's gonna be jumping over to let that anytime soon is there is there a name well you gotta remember he's he's ultimo's nephew so right right yeah yeah you know and that's that's i i'm I'm not telling tales out of school there that's 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 been public info for a little bit but yeah I, i that that's so you know that's fascinating i've never really thought about that he is a gleet guy true and true and he can't go because he's related to ultimo Yep. Yep. Oh my god, I could just see him and Soma Watanabe having a great seven minute match that means nothing in the grand scheme of things. That's crazy. Yeah, yeah. And the loser has to go uh have a UWFI match with um uh, uh Shinya Aoki. You will lose in ten minutes. It, oh th- my that's just god. how it's gonna go. Is has there ever been somebody because I've got a name in mind that I, I'm trying to compare him to just anybody in Dragon Gate that was so hot and then so not 
Like, I don't know that anybody's ever had a fall from grace quite like Akuda. Because Punch and Problem Dragon, they, they were never hyped. You and I, and rightfully so, because I think this stuff kicked ass, we loved Kaisuke Akuda for a little bit. Yeah, it it is something where of people that like make it because we we've heard of like oh wait there's gonna there's someone in the dojo that's gonna blow your brain like we've heard like tales like that for years but like someone actually like crossing over and like having that that kind of moment in the sun i mean it's completely different kind of scenario but the way that uh pretty much uh, naoki tanizaki did that last uh dead or alive match it completely disappeared is kind of similar to that to me yeah, but I, 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 you know, Tanizaki is at least like I enjoy him when he pops up. I, I would watch Okuda do a pro wrestling match out of morbid curiosity. But I mean, this man almost tanked Ben K's career. I, I can't get over that. You know, we talked to talk to somebody who goes to a lot of shows in Kobe, and I'll just never forget. By the way, Altuve just made up for hitting one of the track. He just hit one out of the ballpark. Yeah. Um, uh, what did I say? This match, this game would be like. Yeah. This, this is this is the Astros getting even. Yep. Callback game. Yeah. Um. You know, somebody that we talked to that goes to a lot of shows in Kobe mentioned that I, I think it was May of last year that Ben and Akuda did the intermission autograph signing, and there was practically nobody there. I just nobody had any interest in them. Cut forward ahead, you know, four months. Ben is at the very beginning of the Chicky Chicky stuff, and the whole building is lined up to see him. It's just this guy. Again, his Brave Gate run was a test. You know, they they tried to have him do dragon gate things you know there's a reason that and he was brave gate champion for a long time it was the ashita stuff then it was kagatora and hyo and punch and ut and the ut match was really good but the rest of it was just okay what can you do that isn't just your thing and he he failed every test he had yeah and it just became very clear at like a certain point that you know, it just was not going to work out. I mean, like, would you say that he is the reason that high end failed? No, but he definitely was a major contributing factor. Like, it, 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 I mean, one could probably say that uh, he, like, pulled back uh, Yamato and Dragon Kid's year that year. Yeah. You know? Well, the the name that I, I had in my head, just because I was, I, I don't, I don't have the perspective on this, and I don't know if you did, was Sugawara ever hyped was there ever like a, a sugawara crew that was really into him because he obviously does not have a very strong public opinion right now but i'm not sure if that's always been the case or if there was a time when he was actually you know if people liked him so of my 16 years of following the dragon system and going back and trying to consume as much of it as i can sugawara was never really talked highly of Ever. That's, that's what I assume. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, and it, the only time I've ever heard anyone say anything positive about him wrestling wise is, oh, he's actually doing okay stuff in zero one, which makes tape like twice a year. And I'm like, and, okay. I, and I would, I would argue with somebody that still watches zero one. I, I would not say he's doing okay in zero one. Yeah, I, I, I really don't want to see schlubby uh, Takuya Sugawara in his purple trash bag pants uh, go have like a depressing match out in front of the war, sh- the war crime shrine. Like, I don't need to watch that. I think that was that Shingo versus Masato Tanaka match. Was that in front of the war crime shrine? Yep. 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 That's yeah. a fucking good match, man. I, uh, you know, uh, look, beggars can't be choosers. I don't, I, I'm going to separate the art from the artist here. That was, that was good stuff. I, I mean, it would make sense for Shingo, you know, but well, you know, you can't win them all. Yeah. Uh, so, so how do you feel about Tanaka getting put into this position? 
So I, I, I mean, I'm into it. Uh, go ahead. I didn't mean to cut you off. So I was just going to set the stage a little bit for Ryuya Tanaka. Uh, the only true class of 2023 debutee has not won a match has really kind of, uh, I, I would say not receded into the background, but I would say that out of everyone of this generation, it's not like that uh, other than you seek out stuff for him. Like you go seek out him at Booyadan, you go seek him out and other things. You're not necessarily like, he's not the one jumping off the screen to you. Only 24 matches. He's not a local either. So this is not okay. He's in his hometown here. He's from Hyogo. He's from the uh, same prefecture that Tozawa's from. I, I really, I, I, I will, I will repeat myself here, but I do it with purpose. You know, Tanaka's so interesting because he hasn't had the show me match yet. You know, he hasn't had the match that you and I can send to people and go, Hey, Dragon Gate has another new kid. He's going to be amazing. You know, ignore this DM. And then, you know, we'll, we'll all regret it in five years. I think this is going to be that opportunity. I saw somebody, I, I don't remember who it was. I want to give them credit, but I, I'm not going to, cause I don't remember who they were, but there's probably a large parallel between what this match could be for Tanaka and what Dragon Daya versus Takuma Fujiwara represented for, for Fujiwara. Because at the time, you know, Fujiwara debuted November of 2021. We saw flashes on those Korokan shows where it was like, wait, wait a minute, who who is this string bean? Who is this, you know, Michinoku Pro, you know, adjacent kid? What, what What's going on here? But the Daya match was still really, really early in his career. And then it, what's, you know, messed up to think about is we only got two more months of Fujiwara in Japan after that. Uh, you know, six months, really, in Japan, all told. And, uh, you know, that was the match that we were able to, to send off to people and go, hey, this kid is special. This is four months into his career and he's doing this. Tanaka's in the same boat here. And I think this could very easily be the same sort of match for Tanaka. I'd like for this match to open the show. I think that would be very good. Uh, for everybody involved, you don't want it too late because Ishin's obviously going to win. You don't want that heat too late in the show. I think that's a great way to start the show. Have Tanaka bounce around, have Ishin do his thing. Hopefully this match is really violent. It's really stiff. And I think Tanaka can have a huge showcase here. Yeah, the way I kind of look at it right now with at least the four title matches that we have, this is the one where like this will sound nasty. I want to see Ishin bust this kid up. Like yeah, he, yeah, right. He needs to have like that kind of thing. I kind of, in a way, I know you you brought up uh, Fujiwara, and I, I I do see that. I feel like Tanaka is going to be someone like BB Hulk. I how so? It is something where like he was always kind of like for those who don't know, and for just a reminder, he was someone that when there was a documentary series done about Dragon Gate uh, would. We are Dragon Gate. He was the uh, the the dojo trainee that they kind of made into like the uh, the the viewer as a character kind of thing. And he was debuted like right before that happened. He was on the Kobe World Card. Very kind of I don't want to say kids gloves, but presented in a certain way that's not dissimilar to with BB Hulk, especially at the beginning, where it's like oh he has the like this idea where Magum Tokyo kind of takes him under his wing and very much so is like, here is like our new uh, Sterling prospect and we're going to kind of push him to succeed. And it's going to kind of be this kind of high flyer, but also striker kind of thing. And 
I would not be surprised if five years from now we're talking about like the first five years for Tanaka very similarly to the first five years of BB Hulk's career. Yeah, I think there's there's probably a through line you can make with Fujiwara and Hulk and Tanaka. That that's I, I think they're all very similar. And you got to remember, you know, in, internally the company thought when Fujiwara left was okay. Well, this sucks, but we have Tanaka who can do all the things he can do, and he's better looking. And boy, is right. that true now more than ever. Yeah, it, it, it's something that I am. I mean, he's a pretty boy. That is something that within this company that has always made a big thing about appealing to women in LGBT uh, community. It is important to kind of have this kind of presented pretty boy character. I mean, like that's I, I, I'm forgetting the, the, the phrase kind of for it, but it makes sense. And it's part of their it's part and parcel of their strategy. It's just something where for Tanaka, who, again, 24 matches he's had in his career not debuted in april it's it, it's a nice thing to see that he's kind of given this scenario i would say oh no he debuted in late may my bad yes so, that's, that's even sooner um what what is your what's your favorite tanaka performance up to this point is it the 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 most recent buyuden show oh absolutely the buyuden uh Buden zero volume three with uh him teaming up with mochizuki jr as the captain uh, with Yoshiki Kato versus the NOAA uh, uh, rookies, Kai Fujimura, Taishi Ozawa, Yu Owada, up on the Dragon Gate Network. That was something where, like, you, I was happy to see Tanaka get down and dirty with it. It was something that was desperately needed for him at that point of his career. In the hobby, it's not easy being a fan of ripping packs or repacks. We hype ourselves up thinking, ah, maybe I can pull a Ken Griffey Jr. rookie card. But with zero transparency on available cards and hit rates, it's all just a shot in the dark. Until now. Introducing Slab Packs from ArenaClub.com, the only repack that provides real value, a complete view of all possible cards, and clear hit rates for each one. Now, when I buy Slab Packs at Arena Club, it finally feels like I know what I'm getting. I was able to open an Arena Club slab pack, and and I'll be honest, it was a lot better than what you normally do. Say you go to a card show, and there's a random innocuous brown bag of cards, and yeah, you can open it, and look, it's going to be junk. You're, you, you know what I mean? Like, you know what you're probably going to get in those. Maybe you find that fun, and sometimes I do. Sometimes I like just opening up cards and saying, oh, hey, look at some random cards or whatever. But if you're really in this game to to find value and find particular cards, it sucks to have to buy these mystery packs, and it ends up being, you know, almost nothing. You know, nothing of value. Not with Arena Club. You can display, again, of all available cards, hit rates, grading. So you know that when you're opening up the slab pack, you are going to get something valuable. You are getting something good. And Arena Club, in addition to having those great slab packs we just talked about, is also a marketplace for card collecting, buying, trading, selling, displaying, all that sort of stuff. But those Arena Club slab packs, man, they are revolutionizing the repack game with transparency. After your polls are revealed, they'll immediately be placed in your vault for safekeeping or trading and selling, and you can have them officially graded by Arena Club as well. So again, you know, setting these things off, it's going to be officially graded by Arena Club. And the Arena Club grading process is accurate, fast, and transparent with full grade rationale provided and explanation of how your card was scored. So whether you're buying, selling, trading, or displaying, Arena Club is the card collecting platform that you have to check out. So right now, I've got a special offer here for Voices of Wrestling Network listeners. 
you can get 10% off of your first purchase by going to arenaclub.com slash V-O-W-Net. Again, that's arenaclub.com slash V-O-W-Net. Now, that's a crazy offer. That's 10% off a $400 slab pack. $40 off right there. 10% off your first purchase. No matter what that purchase is, 10% off. Again, that's arenaclub.com slash V-O-W-Net. Arenaclub.com slash V-O-W-Net for 10% off your first purchase on Arena Club. And we thank them for sponsoring the Voices of Wrestling Podcast Network. What's going on, guys? This is Rich from the Flagship Podcast here on the Voices of Wrestling Podcast Network. If I could have a moment of your time, I'd like to tell you about one of our sponsors, Eufy Video Lock. Eufy Video Lock is a smart lock, a 2K camera, and a doorbell all three-in-one offering you triple security so you can have everything in one device rather than installing many pieces on your front door but it's not just for security the eufy video lock is also for convenience no more concerns about losing keys and you can assign passwords to your family members and see them coming back home via the integrated cameras some other great features we love about the eufy video lock is it is easy to install and set up with just a phillips screwdriver no drilling required Keyless entry, no more fumbling for keys when your hands are full. You never have to worry about kids losing keys or passing among renters. You also have 0.3 second, 0.3 second fingerprint recognition and one second unlocking. Again, 0.3 seconds, it's going to recognize your fingerprints and in one second it's going to unlock. And with the AI self-learning chip embedded, the more you use it, the more accurate it will be. Also, no battery anxiety. You have a rechargeable battery in there that could last around four months. And you will get a low battery notification before it runs out. Uh, passcode unlocking a remote control with the 2K Clear Sight. See who's at your door and control from anywhere through the Eufy app. With enhanced night vision, you can have optimized view even in the evening. You can also secure your package delivery by view and two-way audio. And then best of all, no monthly fee. A bunch of other brands out there are going to charge you a monthly fee. You have your recordings locally and you never have to pay for storage. Customer service. Yuffie's got you handled as well. They're on standby for you 24-7, so you can enjoy a worry-free experience with an 18-month warranty, all backed by their professional customer service team. Contact them anytime by telephone, email, or live chat. Personally, as a homeowner, I love my Yuffie video lock. I have the ability to see what's going on when I'm not home, when packages have has arrived, and, and really the thing I love the most about it, the ease of being able to lock and unlock my doors without having to fumble with my keys and reach in my pocket or wait, no, crap, they're in my backpack, all that sort of stuff. All this is happening while my dogs are barking at me. You know what? Not anymore with the UV video lock. I touch it. 0.3 second fingerprint recognition. One second. Door is unlocked. Much, much easier. So if you want to jump on board with UV video lock, search UV video lock. That is E-U-F-Y video lock. Again, that's UV video lock. E-U. FY video lock or visit ufeofficial.com slash video lock to see how you can gain complete control of your door. I'm in the same boat. I, I have nothing, nothing uh, really to add there uh, other than I, I love that match as much as you did. A uh, random thought. Uh, could Tanaka being in this role make up for Nakano being hurt? I think he has more potential than Nagano. If it fills that void, it's unintentional. I don't think they're looking at 
at him as a substitute in the same way that you can sort of draw parallels between Kato and Tien. I don't think Tanaka is... They're like, oh, well, at least we have Tanaka. I think they think better of Tanaka than they do Nagano. Yeah, I guess the reason why I think that is because this kind of got... Yes, uh, Kobe is in the in Hyogo Prefecture. That essentially was like his hometown show this weekend for him. But next week is in Fukuoka right before the pay-per-view. And that's Kaito Nagano's hometown. Mm. Kaito and, Nagano country. Yeah, and it's something that it just kind of popped in my head. That I was like, hey, this actually, this feels super early. Like, I feel like that's something we have to acknowledge. 24 matches in, uh, essentially four-month career getting a brave gate shot that's fast whereas for kaito nagano just pulling up his overall history he's coming up on that one year anniversary he's had the one year anniversary 100 100 matches i think that you kind of look at and you're like okay that's the right time for him to get that kind of opportunity to kind of see where he's at and that's why i wonder yeah i i well and this is this is where my short-term memory is going to fail me you know it didn't seem, and maybe I'm wrong. Tell me, what was? Did it feel like Nagano was gearing up for something before his injury? It was something where I'm looking at his most recent, uh, uh, the matches he had before he went down on the 30th. That's the wild thing. It was like two weeks ago, but it feels yeah. like it feels like a lifetime ago. Uh, it, it's so weird. Dragon gets into these voids it, during this time of the year when there's like a six week gap between their big shows. Because I was just thinking, it was literally last week that we did you know two hours and fifteen minutes, and there was so much to talk about that feels like it was a month ago. And then this week, you know, we're we're talking about hypothetical Kaito Nagano situations. <laughs> yeah, no, I mean that 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 it is something that we probably that it, things will will change but hypothetical kaito nagano situations is a good show title uh, do you hear by the way this is unrelated to that do you hear the bass going off uh, on my microphone right now no not whatsoever you sound oh, great oh my god it's like timbaland moved in next to me i don't know what my neighbor is doing i've lived here over a year i've never heard a sound there is a bass coming from his apartment right now that is rattling my walls Man, I don't know. I was going to say, like, I have the the baseball game on mute. I know that four runs in the first two innings would get a crowd kind of dead tired. or will quiet down a crowd, but it looked like I was going to say, like, maybe the, maybe you're hearing the base of that, maybe. No, you know? no, he's got, like, a kick drum going now. I don't, I don't know what is – I'm glad – look, I'm glad it's not being picked up on mic, but that that is – that is the most noise I've ever heard in this apartment building. Everybody here stays silent. It's how I like it. I'm sure I annoy people because I don't – I, I'm not exactly in a soundproof area. You know, I'm sure my voice can bleed out in the hallway, but uh, he's, I hope he's having a good time. He's, he's blaring some music right now. I mean, are you certain that he's not the drummer from lightning bolt? Well, I can't make that guarantee. I'm not yeah. sure if it's likely, but I, I can't rule it out. Does lightning bolt even still exist? I don't, do. I don't think so. I have a, I mean, I, I know lightning bolt in name, not in story. A uh, different generation for you for the, than you, but it was a, a big two-piece noise rock group. Yeah, I'm, I'm not. The... Uh, there's a reason I don't know much about it. <laughs> there just, we go. I, I got to be honest. That sounds terrible, Mike. Hey, hey. I mean, it's sometimes you just want to hear a, a bunch of guitar and drums. But no, not not me. But OK, yeah. so so we've got the Brave Gate match Tanaka yeah. and Ishan. I'm looking forward to it. Do Just while let, let's rip the bandaid off. Let's talk about the open the triangle gate scene real quick. I, I mean, bandaid. Uh, 
I it was the best thing happening on these undercards case. <laughs> yeah, I yeah, I guess a low bar is still a bar cleared. Okay, so story time. Uh during uh, I'm trying to get which match exactly it was during the Dragon Kid versus Doi and Luis Monte match and the lead up to it on the 14th. Uh Punch Nomanaka comes out first. He's been wearing all the belts because he is the Triangle Gate champion as they've decided. And in this uh, but pre-match, someone comes out wearing a baklava, but wearing a Dragon Gate uh tracksuit case. What were th- what was the name on the back of that tracksuit that the camera made sure we all knew very clear? It was F U J I I One Don Fuji. That's right, our favorite A A R P carrying kleptomaniac uh came out, stole the belt. Uh, the next night, uh. Another person comes out uh, in a balaclava wearing a new gear that we've only really seen this person wear the night before. It was Takashi Yoshida as that. And then after the semifinal on night two on the 15th, the M3K Yamato Dragon Kid Doi and Louise match that we talked about, uh, Yamato grabs the microphone and just goes like, all right, we're, we're finishing this. Like, Doi, uh, Doi, you, you, you can just like take a step back here. Don Fuji, get out here. Well, well, what's the game here? And essentially, Don Fuji gives back the belt because uh, Yamato agrees to a open the uh, Triangle Gate title match between Don Fuji, Takashi Yoshida, and the Bodyguard are the first challengers against Yamato, Dragon Kid, and Punch Nomonaga. We should have saw this coming. They never go to this building without calling up their favorite friend based in Osaka. That's what I was going to ask was, Mike, tell the folks at home, why is the bodyguard on this show? Because you don't, he is a great ticket seller in Osaka. He goes, he gets the, he gets his friends in there. He does a great job. And it's something kind of charming in a way that, that he is kind of, yeah. I, I mean, he's the, the guy from Osaka. We want to see We remember like the last, like when bodyguard first showing up case who who also came along that week for that that gate destiny well, oh god i don't know oh that was taru when taru cut the promo calling shima uh like oh, us fuck that's right i was thinking it was zeus but no it was it was it was it was taru it, it, it was taru taru who still technically is family but but so yeah, this but, is- we don't, but we don't really invite him to the holidays no, 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 funerals, basically. That's what yeah, you see. Yeah, it's like every fifth year. It's like, well, you know, we haven't seen him in a while. You, you know we're good for a couple of years, though. Yeah, oh, good. absolutely. No, it's not a back-to-back thing. No, 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 no. I mean, we're good because he showed up at Ultimo 35. We're good. Yeah, we're, we're good. We're good. We're, we're good. But yeah, no, Bodyguard doing this. It's, it's something where I always kind of like when he kind of pops up. It's very charming. It's one of those things that in a match now that like, hey, what were we going to expect with a punch Tomonaga triangle gate team? Like you get Don Fuji. He's going to try to toss punch up off of something. Takashi Yoshida is going to do all of the crowd calls and the bodyguard will be over. Yamato goes and uh, pens uh, Don Fuji for Galleria and we move on for life. Yeah, that's the thing. It'll be in the middle of the card. It'll be fine. It'll be a fun gift to come out of it. And we'll all move on. I'm not, I'm not bothered by this because it makes, you know, it makes sense to get the bodyguard on the show. So I, I'm not going to complain about it. Yeah. Uh, it, it's something where bodyguard does a lot of the new Osaka pro right now. And I, the, the, there are others from there that I think would be really fun if they wanted to revisit Dragon Gate versus Osaka pro right now. 
I, uh, Look, I, I, I would love nothing more. I would love to see my main man back, Black Buffalo, back in a Dragon Gate ring. I think he just had an anniversary show. Yeah, he did. He did. It was his 30th, I believe. God, that's who would have thought Black Buffalo has been wrestling 30 years. I, I think it's 30 or 25. Like, it, was thir- I need- it was 30. You're right. Yeah. Main event, Black Buffalo, uh, Common and Subasa versus Aron Sano, who I don't know. I think that's the one kid that's in the Osaka Pro Dojo. Um, and then uh, Ryuya, uh, Masafasu, and Zeus, the main event. So I would, I you know, Osaka Pro, I think they, they have like a half hour on Gaiora that airs yeah. every once in a while. But I, 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 wish, I wish I would see more of them. Yeah, did not know until just now. You know who the Osaka Pro champion is? I don't. I'm not looking. I don't know. Uh, so, uh, do do you want to play a twenty quite uh, a quick five questions? Remember this guy thing? Sure. Technically, is a part of the Cold War. Okay. Is Inglate. Okay. Is a I believe former G Infinity champion. G Infinity is the no, tag he, belts. He is not. He is surprisingly not a G Infinity tag champion. But the Osaka Pro Champion's a Gleet guy. Yes. Okay. Hmm. All right. All right. Uh, Bork Orchestra. Oh, well, it's not Cosma. And it's it, it's unfortunately not the Galeno Del Mall, although it should be that. And I would know if it's checked. So just by process of elimination, I think I'm going to kill your bit, but I think it's Quiet Storm. Congratulations, Case. This was your best performance on Remember This Guy. Well, I know my bulk orchestra history really well. <laughs> you know, it's a really it's an honor. Hey, 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 it's just important to get points on the board. You I, know, you know the, the one the one Osaka Pro match that I I wanted to check out was I there they did like a light heavyweight tag tournament I think, and it got some buzz. I think the finals of that was supposed to be really good, and I I never made time for that. I'm just now I'm thinking out loud now at this point. I I, I don't know if I ever got to that. I need to. Is Osaka Pro technically family though? I feel like they are. So I feel like that that they are justified to be pontificating about this was this the one with uh mariyama in the final i think so but hold on well okay politically yeah they were family because gamma they had gamma and and you know i guess they raided kishiwada but gamma's more affiliated with gleet now i don't but he also he's not affiliated it's zeus and zeus feels very much like switzerland Yes, I would say that current day Osaka Pro is Switzerland. Now I'm more thinking about it. I love that. All right, good for them. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm actually surprised Kikataro is not on their roster. Surprises me. I well, uh, uh, he worked. Uh, no, that's Ebison. Never mind. Yeah, oh, that's interesting. Yeah, yeah. It's just something that kind of like popped in my head with that, with with that there, but. It's something where I kind of look at whenever they go into Osaka for uh, Gate of Destiny, and it's something where adding Bodyguard to this kind of provides like an Osaka flavor that I also, other than the ticket sales, I kind of like the idea that they do a little bit more for that hometown. Like They've always been very pointed about Osaka natives getting title matches on these shows, but adding in someone like Bodyguard, I think, is always a strong thing for them to do absolutely absolutely so that is gate of destiny we've got the four title matches set. i'm sure we'll get the full card after this fukuoka weekend 
Mike, I wanted to throw something at you real quick, a, a little bit more of a, a history lesson in Dragon Gate, because I think you're you're the guy to ask this question to. I have become increasingly obsessed with the output of work that I am seeing from D Courage, not as singles wrestlers, not as a tag team, but as a trio. I think this team has done phenomenal work this year. I have eight trios matches with D Courage at four stars or higher. And if you go back to last year, uh, when Kakuta joined first as an assistant, then as an official member, I have another four matches of theirs at four stars or higher. The highest ranked of that bunch is the most recent three-way nine-man trios match for the Triangle Gate belts, D-Courage, Gold Class, and then Dragon Kid, Punch, and Yamato. What I wanted to know from you is that when we look at trios in the history of Dragon Gate, who is better than this team? Is there a Triangle Gate team that sticks out to you? Are there Triangle Gate teams that stick out to you? I can't imagine there's um, another team that never won the belts, but had this prolific of a trios run. Whereas you mentioned last week when I talked about this, you know, it's odd. D Courage has never been Triangle Gate champions. Who comes to your mind when you think of those guys in Dragon Gate? So I have a couple teams for you. And I think that we're going to start with a pretty strong classic one because this one we're going to go back with this one and this is just the first one i kind of want to throw out there the the big story about the triangle gate belts were basically short rings and then monster rings well nothing really happened to it case in point the uh fifth champions were the uh, are still the longest tenured uh open the triangle gate champions of all time shima magnitude kishwada and, and masato uh yoshino almost had a full calendar year only had three uh triangle gate matches and i can't really say that they had a any sort of defining uh match or anything during that run would you well okay so the match where they win the belts to have three is, falls against yes. Victor. and it, it's so that what they do so and this is this is a weird one this is a weird sort of anecdote in the history of dragon gate you know the 2005 tv schedule is one block of tv and one live pay-per-view a month so for most of the months the cork and hall show is the pay-per-view where you get an in full but in march and in july they did the brave gate tournament pay-per-view and then there was obviously kobe world so that becomes the show that you get in full and then the corkins those months were relegated to tv so this is this is lost out in the ether a little bit. You know, the, the 2005 Corican circulated really well. The rest of the TV did not as much. So I don't think a lot of people have seen. This is July 12th, 2005. It's, it's DK Genki and Saito versus, like you said, it's Shima Kishiwata and Yoshino. This, they, they do um, a two out of three falls match that ends in a dq and but they 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 wrestle you know it's it's 15 minutes 16 minutes before they call for the dq and then they restart the match and do another 22 minutes elimination style and that is how blood generation wins these belts all told if you combine those two matches into one giant segment it's some of the best stuff from 2005 but it is a little bit lost to time because of the way that it aired so they have, to me, one iconic match, but then the rest of it is is not on that level by any means. So I brought up that trio to talk about the trio, I, the, the, the original top, I, I would say, Triangle Gate team. And that is their opponents in that night. Dragon Kid, G 
Genki Horiguchi and Ryo Saito. Uh, as a p- pair, they had three different Triangle Gate runs as do Fixer, including the f- and outside of that, the uh, three thirty one oh six match. I think that they kind of are the first watermark to compare them. You know, Mike, I think that is a really great answer and not one I even had on my notes because if you go through some of their defenses here, they win the titles in a a Sapporo Tenshian Hall match, two out of three falls, DK Genki Saito versus Shima Doi and Shingo. That match aired uh, in full on TV, but ditch on the old ditch site he had clipped it down, I think, to just the final fall, but both versions exist. That match is incredible. And then they go to Korkin, where it's Kness, Susumu, and Nakajima. Uh, they defend the belts against them. I love that match. There's a Poss Hearts match in that first title reign that I don't remember, but I'm sure it's fine. And then you go into the second one, uh, which is, uh, let's see here, uh, yeah, it's okay. So it's the one we just talked about. They're also they lose the match, but they're in the World Two Thousand Five Triangle Gate match, which I think is one of the best Triangle Gate matches of all time. And then let's take a look at their third run here. This is Two Thousand Six, and it's only one match. I don't think I've seen this. But when you factor those in, and then three thirty one oh six, Mike, I think I think we might have found our answer. I, I have a few teams here that I'd like to go through, but this this might be the best trio of all time. Yeah, it's something where I think uh, I'm just going to name rifle off a couple quick ones for you. And and if there's ones that are also on your list, we can kind of compare and contrast here. Mm-hmm. I think that after that one, you are looking it. it's not that there were bad teams for a while. It just was something that you did not really have a defining team. It, it is something where it, it's a shame that uh Don Fuji, Masaki Mochizuki had two great Triangle Gate runs, one with Kness and one with Magtu Kishiwada that weren't just like the same run because that would be up there for me. That's a great point, yeah. But the one that I kind of want to bring up that I think is a really, really powerful one is uh, Blood Warriors from 2010, Shima, Dragon Kid, and Ricochet. So that that is one that I... I certainly looked at because I, I think it is a pretty iconic trios team, which is, you know, notable because Spike Mohicans is a tag team. She went ricochet. I would, I, I, I would find few teams better than them. The thing that I, I started looking at is their triangle gate run, which is December, 2010 through May, 2011. I just don't think I've seen a lot of these matches. The one that I have for sure is their, their defense against Hulk Pac and Susumu. Yeah. That match fucking kicks ass oh my god is that match good that's close to a uh, that might be a four and uh between four and three quarters in a five stars match like that, for me that personally is, that, that is a rare i mean susumu was not in world one for a very long time so it's rare just to that degree but there is some there's some ricochet pock stuff in that match that is just it's stupid i mean it is unreal how good they are yeah, uh, other teams speaking about Pac, uh, did you have the World 1 International team on your list? I had Hulk Yoshino and Pac from World 1, really? not the World 1 International team. You, you see, the downfall of World 1 with like how everything kind of worked and then it goes into Tanizaki like this, you're thinking about the 2009 team, right? 
Yes, yeah, yeah. Hulk, Yoshino, and Pac, they won the belts June 2009, lost them October 2009. An underrated Kobe World Defense against Tozawa, Dragon Kid, and Taku Iwasa, and then two matches against Aki Bono, Fuji, and Mochizuki. Yeah, and uh, I feel like that was kind of the best use of Aki Bono at that time. Yes. Whenever he was in here with that. It, it, it's something for me when we're talking about these teams. I don't think I've, I've yet come across one that I think is stronger than that two-fixer team. I kind of want to fast-forward super far, and this is a, a title run that I'm not nominating case, but it's one that I think has to be brought up and talked about. Let's talk about Monster Express, uh, Akira Tozawa, uh, Masato Yoshino, and T-Hawk being like the, the exact opposite of actually being like a team you remember, even though they had, what, 280 days as champions and, I'm sorry, 273 days as champions, five title defenses, just kind of existed. Yeah, you know, I don't think any of these were particularly memorable. You know, they did the Sumo, Sumo Jimmy's match, they did another Jimmy's match in Hakata. I remember liking the Kobe World match. This was, the, you know, talking about remembering some guys. Tozawa, Yoshino, and T-Hawk versus Hulk, Flamita, and KZ versus Shima, Dragon Kid, and Peter Kasa. And I remember really liking that, but we're at that point almost, you know, eight months into this Triangle Gate run with three stars and just a team that had no, uh, no penetration in terms of emotional care whatsoever. And that kind of was the problem about late generation uh, Monster Express when they added in uh, T-Hawk. It just was not there for it. Uh, one I want to offer, though, I I would have to go like way back through my notes and go through each one of these title defenses because I had a lot of it. Uh, where do you have KZ, Ginky, and Susumu from 2018 on your list? So th- this is this is one of the teams I want to ask you about. Okay. I, think, I think this is a team that probably suffers in my mind just because of the era they existed in. But when you go through these reigns, you know, Fuji Kines and Saito was a lot of fun. Masato Tanaka, Takashi Yoshida, and Yasushi Kondo was not. Kagatora, Yuti, and Maria, I loved that team. That is maybe the the closest thing we have to another non-Triangle Gate trios team that was awesome. I remember really liking that match. Uh, but... It's not a it's not a team that I think, oh my god, you had you 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 had to have been there for the natural vibes twenty eighteen run. I just don't have that fondness to it, but on paper they they have a very strong resume. Yeah, and I think that's the thing is that they just were products of like they were the best thing happening in the company at that time. At it, at least title run wise, I would say. Especially that Especially that 2018 badness. Well, well, yes, because they win the belts from Jason, Yoshino, and Doi. And at the time, you know, these shows were dominated. The, the only thing that I would really look forward to on like a Kobe show was whatever Maximum was doing and maybe the Mochizuki Junior, uh, Mochizuki Dojo guys, rather. And when Maximum lost the belts, I remember being really, really bummed because I thought Jason, Yoshino, and Doi had a ton of potential. I mean, I think the final gate 2017 match where they win the belts is, if not a top 10 drag eight match in history, top 15, top 20. And then they have a very short reign and then it goes to vibes. And I think that left a bad taste in my mouth in the moment. And then, you know, I just, again, 2018 drag gate is just not a very good promotion. So I don't, I don't look back at their reign very fondly. Yeah. That's, that's kind of the thing that happens with these trios that it's easy. I think we've, 
discovered that you have your Marahasapas, you have your speed muscles, you have your Yamadoys, like the ones that they will have a run and then you'll revisit it. It's just difficult for a trio unless you have a do fixer thing or you have a situation like Decourage where just because of the fact that there's three of them and more often than not, one of them has the Dreamgate title, so they're not a Triangle Gate team is kind of the uh the, the thing we're kind of discovering like they had longevity just because they could not necessarily have the belt the only other team that i i wanted to throw at you and i'm just i'm just curious where you think of them a few years removed from the act is where are you at with strong machines conflicted yeah right uh it, it is something where i think that it was something where they did not have a good way to get jay out of that act and into natural vibes and part of that was injury history part of that frankly is booking you know like it is something where like he was just kind of vaguely around team dragon gate right while he was healthy during that time i mean he was a he was an open the triangle gate champion with team dragon gate but there was no coherence with him in that that was just him with his peers and you look at the rest of the act like hey Don Fuji is strong machine F at this point. Like that it worked out. Like Don Fuji is at the point of his career where you could plug him in here. He works well in that style and it's fantastic. G and Gamma. How do you feel about this kind of being the last notable thing that Gamma did in his Dragon Gate career? I think it was better than most other things he did, so I'm fine with it. So I guess like where I'm coming to is it's not that I dislike the act. I just was sad about the follow-up and it's not even necessarily where you could do any finger point. No, it's a weird, it's a weird deal where that act peak where they won, when they won the titles. And I remember liking the defense they had against Mochizuki Dojo, not really liking the defense they had against Tribe Vanguard and not really liking the defense they had against Maximum. And then they lost the belts. It's a, they, they, they were so strange by the time they had lost the belts. I was so sick of them that I, I can't possibly put them in the same light as obviously, you know, a DK, Genki, and Saito, or even just what we've seen with D-Courage, where I think, you know, they've now existed for over a year, but I think they feel really fresh as a trio specifically. Strong Machine J did not have that that benefit to them. Yeah, and it it is something where do we think that it's also like that when they had to get the belts off them, it was mainly because Jay was hurt, right? Yes, yeah, but... But by the time that rain had ended, we were all very, very concerned about his shoulder. Yeah, so the belts went to Hio, Yoshida, and R.E.D., something I never need to think about again, and Diamante. Yeah, yeah, there you go. The There is one what-if team, uh, just because I'm looking at the, the uh, ledger right now, Case. Yeah. It wouldn't have had a long time. But I would have loved to see what would have happened if Kenichiro or I did not completely shatter his shoulder in that Dream Gate in that Triangle Gate match. So what what was that team? Remind me, because I'm not looking at it. Uh, Dragon Kid, uh, Arakan, and Ryo Saito. Yeah, that's strange because not only is Arakan at the end of the line, but so is Saito. Yeah, I mean, essentially Saito, although he participates in Team Boku. Uh, through the end of 2020 and into 2021 he's mainly part-time by that time next year yeah yeah I mean it was so it was so odd when they won the belts that uh 
it just seemed like where is this going to go? But then it did not end. It did not end up mattering because Arkin hurt his shoulder, and then COVID happened. And by the time they came back, it was like, oh my god, they're wait, wait, who who are the Triangle Gate champions? So uh, Strong Machine J were the Triangle Gate champions because they had to get the belt off of. Oh, that's uh, right, because it was god that's right that champion gate show when it was very clear that this was it for a while so so they won the belts in february and then lost them at champion gate is that right 21 days yeah okay all right that makes sense yeah it, was, it, that, it doesn't make sense but it makes sense right yeah it's just kind of one of those things with that but i i, I think that it, it is something also kind of worth considering here that we have not really mentioned any of these teams that have been like the two leaders and then the uh, number two, like we're not talking about a world one team that is Doi Yoshi Hulk. That never really happened. And that's never really happened. Like arguably I'm just looking through the most recent ones like gold class. Yes, sure. That's that K that's there in the case, but it's not, you don't always have your max firepower on these teams. Like after that, like going in, Going back after that, like the masquerade, very quick team to break up it was like the last other example of very clearly. Okay, you have Shunshot Skywalker, that's the one. Kodaman North, there's two. Jason Lee was three. Like, there's just not a lot of that that happens in this promotion that I kind of find kind of fascinating. Okay, let me ask you one more question. This is what I'll end on because I've got nothing else after this. You've got to throw Ryoya Tanaka in a unit right after gate of destiny what unit is he going into the problem is the unit i want to throw him in is the unit i want to throw everyone in two case and it's just not happening <laughs> like i put him in decourage of course like they need to have someone eat falls and need to be able to have more of an impact on the cards like i think I, I, how, how much i've been saying that like the three people units have been an overwhelming issue i feel like of card construction over the last 18 months i feel like if anybody has a shot at joining decourage it's tanaka that just that that feels right, doesn't it? Yeah, it does. It, it it is something where like he does kind of actually look a little bit like Daya too. Yeah, like, a little just, bit. Yeah, he has a little bit of the countenance of that. Uh, yeah, and age wise, I mean, he's not much older than Kakuda. That's the wild thing. Kakuda is still like a baby. Yeah, it's insane. In the All right, well, I look. Save this audio. Save this audio, and if Tanaka joins decourage i think we're gonna have a field day with this because i i think it's the one guy that has a realistic chance of joining that unit no it, it is something now where as we're kind of now 18 months into decourage at this point like this is kind of the thing like as soon as he says he's pitch hitting for them we know it's done right yeah like like i feel like that that makes a lot of sense there well case we were talking about tanaka there is another uh future guy who has been in the middle of it since returning, Yoshiki Kato had his matches two and three of his uh, his trial series. It was against Yamato on night one and then against Shun Skywalker on night two. Uh, how are, one, how, what was your thoughts about the Skywalker match? And two, well, how are you feeling about Kato right now going through this? Well, he got knocked out in the Skywalker match. I mean, I, I thought he, I thought he looked good for as long as he was present. You yeah. know, I, I I thought he looked good in the Yamato match too. Again, you know, he is he is a guy, and we've said this since last year when he was wrestling exhibition matches. He doesn't move around the ring like a Dragon Gate wrestler. Somebody, you know, I mentioned this last week. Somebody uh, attended the most recent Corkin show. That's a lapsed Dragon Gate fan. Had to watch the promotion in a while, and their comment to me was, 
God, he, I mean, he wrestles like a big Japan guy, not a Drangate guy. You know, how is that going to work? And I said, well, you know, I think, I think a lot of people are in his corner. I think he has a lot of supporters, you know, both within the company and the, you know, I think the fans are getting behind him. Um, It was very apparent watching both the Yamato and the Shun matches. He's a bit of a different beast than Drangate has had, but I, I liked what I saw. Yeah, it was something for me, at least. Uh, I adored the Yamato match. Like, you knew I was going to. It was basically replaying King of Chop for yep. 2020, 2023. And, like, the fact that it was from a, the start. Like, did you notice, like, on, like, their initial face-off, like, the shoulder check that they did, it was the single loudest shoulder check I've heard in five years. It was like, a very loud match. Yeah, it was a very loud match, and... Case, if you're going to beat the crap out of each other, I feel like that it is kind of in my wheelhouse enough to be really into it. Uh, the Skywalker one, I, I thought it was a fascinating match, even with what happened with it. I didn't catch what got him. I think it was probably one of those big boots. Yes, I, I would assume so. It, it was something where Skywalker, with the way he carries himself and like the wrestling style, I, I like the fact that he just did not give any quarter to him. And that was very much like, oh, uh, you, Shun Skywalker pays attention. He knows that Kato kind of is like the raging bull kind of guy. Don't let him get going. So he just immediately started throwing bombs on him. And then I did like how Skywalker did. Uh, he ended up getting the win after the moonsault knees. Uh, but the match was over basically after the his mind got erased from a big boot. But the first tease for the moonsault knees, like it looked like that Skywalker was going to walk away like in a minute, but he just immediately rolled him over into a Boston crab that I, I cracked up at that. I thought yeah, that, that was, was tremendous. Yeah. Uh, it is worth noting that as of time of recording here on the night of the 18th, uh, as we look to Fukuoka, Yushiki Kato is still listed on those matches. It does not seem like that, that uh, at this time that, that he's been pulled. So I assume that means he's okay. That's like good I, news. I, I, I haven't heard anything about him being pulled essentially. Nor have I. But uh, it, it, it's interesting because we look ahead to this weekend. He has uh, Binke coming up on the uh, the day portion of it, and he follows that up with Masaki Mochizuki in the night portion. And at, at least as we've gone through this, I I kind of I like the selection of guys they had for him. I am very very intrigued when like you have him versus Benke because that there's a natural comparison between the two of them just because of their size and the idea that they are power fighters really within this but Benke has has whatever rough edges he's had he has molded himself into a Dragon Gate Luchares wrestler like the, the like there's no mistaking him as a Dragon Gate guy and it's fascinating to see if Kato takes anything out of it or if he kind of keeps this different about him because i feel like that it's almost like looking at you five years down the line kind of thing yeah because this is what we were saying about ben was you know is he just too animalistic to ever really mold into the house style and i don't think any of us have those reservations now oh not at all but i think some of that also was like if we want to do a compare and contrast about it ben was someone up until he penned misaki mochizuki leading up to his first Dreamgate shot was so incredibly protected that they've let Kato go and sink. Yes. And they've let him do the deep water there. And I feel like that that is kind of the big major difference that we've seen, at least them to these this reflective point in their careers. I would agree with that. Um, him and Mochi, though, 
I think it's going to be great. I, I look, I, I, I think we should break down these Fukuoka cards real quick because I think there's a lot of good stuff on both these shows. Absolutely. So uh, this is the day night and across. Uh, it's on Sunday. Uh, it starts at 1 p.m. Japanese time. Uh, I'm looking at the uh, Geoware schedule, so I don't have the time conversions there. You all know how to convert time at this point. Uh, opens with a eight-man tag. All of Z, Brads versus KZ, Strong Machine, J, UT, Jackie, Funky, Kamei. Ginky and Jason Lee versus Kagator and Punch Tomonaga, the aforementioned match four of the Yoshiki Kato five-match single series versus Benkei, Misaki Mochizuki and Mochizuki Jr. versus the most decorated team in Dragon Gate history, Yama Doi, Yamato, and Naruki Doi, Kota Minora and BB Hulk versus Luis Monte and Dragon Kid, and then a Dream Gate Twin Gate prelude match. It is a Madoka Kakuda, Yuki Yoshioka, and Dragon Daya of D Courage versus the combined team of Big Boss Shimizu, Susumu Mochizuki, and Yazushi Kanda. This is a very good looking Fukuoka show. This, I, I mean, given like what we all have, like, like what we're given here, like Punch is a champion. He's going to be on every show here. I think you take these six matches and it's as strong of a non-Korkin show that they've had in a long time. The the Mochis versus Yamadoi, I no disrespect to Fukuoka, I would love for them to run this back in Tokyo at some point. Doesn't this kind of feel like a dangerous gate kind of match? It does. It really does. It feels like it should be in Oda City. Like that 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 is the vibe here. And look, it it is something now with both uh Mochizuki and Junior back that we're always going to kind of see like when are they going to go for the twin gate shot. And I think that after this, given I don't think like it is decouraged, so I can I'm I'm coin flip on that one. It does set up pretty nicely for Final Gate though. Yeah, I I yeah, huh. I hadn't really thought about that. You're right. They could probably go over here and then do M3K M3K at Final Gate. You know what? That's what I want. Hey. There we go. Uh, anything else on the show that's really kind of speaking out to you? Uh, how do you feel about Luis teaming with Dragon Kid? I kind of have liked him kind of being on that side of the un- unaffiliated guys since his return. I, I like it. I, you know, I'm sure they'll form a unit, and I just wish for the sake of separation that Yamato and Dragon Kid wouldn't be linked with each other again. But I, 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 I'll deal with it. I like Monte and Dragon Kid together. Yeah, it, it, it's something that I really hope after they drop the triangle gates that they just shake hands, go their separate ways for a while. Don't need to see those two together. Uh, l- let's look at uh, the evening card. We're opening with gold class. Uh, Kota Minora, Binke, and BB Hulk. We didn't really talk about BB Hulk. He's back. Uh, he was yeah, yay. Yeah, did not. Uh, very hit and miss on that opener. Really hit, hit miss on that fourteenth <laughs> uh, show. It was something where I was really happy with him in that opener against uh, Natural Vibes, and then, then the shot put slam happened. So yeah, uh, still having a little bit of that happen. But it is uh, Gold Class versus Shun Skywalker, Kai and Ishin, uh, Kakatora and Roya Tanaka versus Punch Tomonaga and Daiki Yanagiuchi. Special singles match: Yuki Yoshioka versus Hyo. Uh, Maraha Isapa versus uh, Susumu and Kanda. So we're getting some 25th anniversary vibes happening there. Uh, the final match in the uh, Yoshiki Kato singles five match series versus Masaki Mochizuki, 
uh, preview of Dan- uh, preview of Gate of Destiny, Madoka Kakuda and Dragon Daya versus Shimizu and UT. And in your main event, you have Natural Vibes, KZ, Strong Machine J, Jason Lee, and Jackie Funky Kame versus the aforementioned Luis Monte, Yamato, Dragon Kid, and Naruki Doi. The undercard on this show does not excite me, but those last three matches really do. So I, I, I've got to tip my hat to Dragon Gate. They have got me fired up for a Fukuoka doubleheader. I I have some time for Muraha Asapa versus Susumu and Kanda. Yeah, I, I'm I'm well. All right, I, that's the thing is that match could be interesting, and Yoshioka versus Hyo could also be interesting just to see if anything comes of it. So, I low match quality there, but high intrigue. Yeah, like like that's kind of my th- where I want to see, it. and you you know now kind of like our prospect minds, our eyes kind of go to Daiki. I would feel like at this point, wouldn't you? Because he's next man up. Well, not just that he's next man up; he's being lapped now. That's right. That's right. Yeah. No, this is his time. He's got to show something. Yeah. So a very spirited looking uh, Fukuoka doubleheader. We'll be back next week to talk about that. Well. Uh, well, Case, we got through this game, or we got through this show before the end of the fifth inning. The Rangers, this is exactly what I expected, man. This is what I expected. Did you have anything else you wanted to touch on before we got out of here? I do not think so. Uh, the, the only thing I'll add is if you have not already heard on the flagship wrestling Patreon, myself and Rich Creech and Joe Lanza, we did about two and a half hours home run Texas Rangers. They are back in this ballgame. Uh, Rich, Joe, and I did about two, two and a half hours last night on the Japan region of the Wrestling Observer Newsletter Hall of Fame uh, uh, voting for this year. If you are into this show, we spent a number, uh, an extensive amount of time, rather, on Shima and Shingo, and I think I added some stuff to their candidacy that has not been mentioned by people that talk about them regularly. So go check that out. There was also a lot of fun stuff about, uh, you know, uh, uh, Yoshiaki Fujiwara and my thoughts on the Joshi scene, et cetera, et cetera. It was a very good podcast. I, I, I mean, you kind of like, uh, I've been dealing with electrical things, old house issues today. So I've, I've caught like the first uh, half hour of it. Y- y'all went safety's off, I feel like. It, well, and... it, gets, it, gets, it gets really bad about the last 20 minutes or so. Oh boy. It, it oh. becomes it becomes gloves off in a way that uh I I'm sure I'm on the the bad end of some nasty subtweets that I just I thankfully haven't seen. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh the the group DMs must be going insane right I, about Yeah, I, I now. look I, I I'm aware of what I said and luckily the people that it would annoy I just can't imagine listening to me for 2 hours, but if they do, <laughs> they will they will be very annoyed. Hey, you, you, you know, it's just it's hall of fame season and and we have to spit some truths here absolutely but we will be back with y'all next week as we count down the days to gate of destiny coming up in november at uh november 5th at asaka edion arena we have to top the card set it's kind of time to see how they're going to flesh out the rest of this thing yep i'm looking forward to it yep me too uh you can follow us on twitter at open voice gate case was a underscore in your case I'm at Fujiheya. Thanks for listening to Open the Voice Gate. We'll be back with you next week. Take care. My name is Tyler Fornis, and I am one of the co-hosts of the Good, the Bad, and the Hungi AEW podcast here on the Voice of Wrestling Podcasting Network. We take a broad scope approach to the world of all elite wrestling and the entire universe of Tony Khan. We talk about the big matches, the big stars, the promos, the storylines, 
then we also look at it from a big picture perspective. How are things going to change over the course of the next 10 years with AEW still in the picture? How are companies like WWE going to adapt and adjust to AEW? Are they going to be a similar way like they did with WCW in the late 1990s? Will there be a counterpunch? We talk about all of that and more on the good, the bad, and the hungry every week on the Voice of Wrestling Network.